Good morning, good morning. Uh, turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. Uh, we're going to be diving in this morning. Those of you who know uh, Romans 13 know uh, we're going to be challenged here a little bit today. Uh, exciting times. Some of you have been dying for me to get to this place because you were wanting to see me squirm and struggle. So here we are. Here we are today. Um, by the way, uh, I just want to encourage you again, men, uh, we've been meeting at 6.30 on Monday nights and 9 a.m. on Friday mornings, the same study. You don't have to go to both unless you're an overachiever or really slow, um, but we'd love to have you. Uh, God's been doing some good work in us uh, as we think through what it is to be a man, and so uh not just a man, but a Christian man. And so uh, I just want to encourage you to come, uh, bring somebody with you that's younger. Uh, we, we want to not just care about ourselves, but care about those who come after us as well. And so I want to encourage you men to come. This is a beginner study. This isn't the advanced course. And so if you say, well, I don't know too much, it's for you. It's for you. And so I'd encourage you to come and if you don't come, we'll come find you. Uh, why don't we just read this passage? Stand in honor of God's word. I, w- I want to read to you chapter 13, verses 1 through 7. God's word says this Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And, and those that exist uh, have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur uh, judgment. For rulers are not a terror uh, to good conduct, but to bad. Uh, uh, Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Um, Then do what is good, uh, and you will receive his approval. For he is uh, God's servant uh, for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger, uh, who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Uh, Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. Uh, For because of this, you also pay taxes, Uh, For the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. And honor to whom honor is owed. God help us uh, as we look at this passage that we would see it as you intended. uh, That we would uh, understand it clearly And then grant us your grace and your mercy as we seek to apply this. God, I pray for us in our stubborn hearts and our rebellious hearts that want to do our own thing. I ask that you would work in us now, uh, work in your church, make us ready uh, for today and the days ahead. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated.
I want to start out just by pointing to a passage we kind of went over already in Revelation or uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Uh, it, it says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, mercies of God, that as we look at this passage uh, this morning, um, it's in view of the mercies of God. And when it says the mercies of God, it's talking about that God has been merciful to wicked sinners like me and you. He's been merciful. And I, I want to tell you, that should be uh, the fuel in your tank every day. Uh, your relationship with God, uh, that's on the basis of not, not of you being good enough for him, even as Brandon shared from the Proverbs, but that he loved you. He loved you. He was merciful. He didn't hold your sins and say, uh, shame and guilt, uh, I'm going to leave you in. He said, I, I want to I love you in such a powerful way that he sent his son Jesus to die for us. And that, that we would think about that all the time. That we would wake up in the morning and say, I, I feel like today is too much for me. But uh, by the mercies of God, by understanding what he's done for me, I'm going to try to think through and live for him today because of what he's done for me. It's interesting, uh, it goes on to say, uh, Romans, it says, uh, by the mercies of God, he says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And then he says, do not be conformed, verse 2, uh, to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may uh, discern what is the will of God. What is the will of God? And what, uh, what the connection here is this, that by the mercies of God, we present ourselves as a sacrifice to God that we might know the will of God. And uh, sometimes it's a little complicated. Sometimes it's a little complicated. How many of you get confused real quickly uh, on what you should be doing or what you shouldn't be doing? And it's hard sometimes, right? Uh, And as we look at this passage this morning, I just want to start out by saying, Jesus, your relationship with Christ affects everything, and it's in a new way. It's in a new way. And what I mean by that is this, that he has changed you. He has changed you in such a dramatic way that it will cause you to look at everything in your life differently. Uh, And today, uh, I just say it this way, we're going to look differently differently at the government. Um, true confessions here this morning. I'm going to start out with those personally. I, I don't, uh, I'm not looking for you to affirm nor deny uh, where you stand. I don't care what affiliation you have. This is just true confessions from the pastor. I am an ashamed Republican. I'm an ashamed Republican. And the reason I'm a ashamed Republican, and it's black and white for me, because of the issue of abortion. Uh, you know, you, you, it's not the only issue in the world for sure, uh, but it's kind of an easy one, right? Uh, should we be killing babies in the womb? I think we got our answer, right? Uh, uh, that's little Maggie. She's my friend. Um, no, no. And so anybody who wants to do that, I'm not with. I'm not voting for. 
I'm not checking their box. Uh, I'm an ashamed Republican. Some of us struggle with this whole idea of politics. Uh, We're lost in the past. We're living in 2015. We're living way back in 2015, a million years ago. Um, I picked 2015 just because it's the five-year thing. I could have said 2010, I could, you know, whatever. Um, we think through in our minds how politics was kind of a, um, a fun issue to talk about, even to argue about, uh, to argue about over breakfast or lunch or coffee or watch the news. It was fun. It's fun. In fact, even arguing during golfing and stuff like that, ruining a good golf game by arguing over politics. You're living in the past. I want to encourage you with that. Today, most, if not all, politicians are power hungry thieves. Um, if you, you can follow this, some of you know how to use the interwebs really well. You can follow their stock trades in Congress or the Senate. You can track their net worth from the time they get into office by the time up to today. And it's incredible. It's insider trading is what it is. And and these, you know, this is not a Democrat issue or a Republican issue. It's an issue. (laughs) Uh, They're all doing it. I don't know if all of them, but many of them are. And so they're thieves. They're stealing. But they're not just thieves. They're power hungry, right? It's, you know, the decisions they're making, they're making for the little people. Not necessarily for them, but for the little people. You. You're the little people. If you're wondering, you are the little people. We're in good company. I am too. Uh... Power-hungry thieves, if not worse, if not worse. Um, You can't go a day uh, without some kind of accusation or arrest of one of them for some prostitution or some kind of stocks or uh, some kind of scandals, abuse or abuse of children. Um, you, You can't go a day, a week. Like you can see it in the news all the time. You know, these are mayors and congressmen and people in the Senate and you know, and the cabinet, and you know, even the president. And this isn't something new. It's just something that we're hearing about more often. And so, I would encourage you as we look at this, and I'm right there with you. Some of you know that um, you know my thoughts on this have been changing in the last couple of years for sure. Um, and I, as I come to this passage. Um, Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts when it comes to us and our relationship to government. And I I want to encourage you as we start out about this, maybe this is it, but don't make your life about politics. Don't don't make it about politics. Um, Some of you introduce yourselves like that. You say, I'm a conservative. What are you conserving? You know, what? What is it? Um, I think it'd be better if you say, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I follow after Christ. I've been saved. I was a pathetic loser, and now I'm redeemed. That'd be a, a better introduction. More accurate, too. 
right? More at the core of who you are. I I, want to encourage you and warn you, if your life is all about politics, uh, your life will end up uh, defending the outhouse, right? Because you'll be defending your, your thoughts and your party or your politician that's not worthy to be defended. So how do you like that for an intro? Where we're going with this is uh, probably three weeks in chapter 13, verses 1 through 7. I'm just going to do very little uh, this morning, define some words, give you some background. The next week we'll hit it hard, and then the following week we'll probably talk about how this impacts the last few years and the next few years, okay? Um, so be excited, uh, be excited. And I, I want to tell you that this is about you walking with the Lord. This is about you walking with the Lord. And it's about you living for the Lord right now. Um, it's about you uh, honoring the Lord in your community, but not just your community, in your home. And how you teach your kids and how you help them uh, navigate the days ahead. And they're going to need your instruction. Um, don't free range on this one, okay? Uh, the chickens need to be in the coop, okay? They need to be taught and trained. Uh, this isn't something, well, you know, we'll just see how they turn out. Yeah, you will. Yeah, you will. Um, and they need your direction. They need your correction. I, I want to look at verse 1, and, and this is really all we're going to do this morning, and really not everything even in verse 1, but it says this, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. And it says, let every person, and as you look at that, um, if you follow the flow of the book of Romans, he's talking about, he's talking to believers, he's talking to believers, but what he does is he takes a step back and he says, this is really for everyone, but I realize only believers are listening. And, and I want to encourage you, as you look at these principles right here, they are for everybody, everybody in our town. Uh, you know, this thriving metropolis of Tehachapi, the land of four seasons. We saw them this week. Um, this is for everybody in our town. I realize that not everybody in our town cares about God, but you do. And for you to hear from him as we look to his word right now, uh, he talks about every person. Paul is instructing uh, the, the Romans to know in their monstrous city of millions of people that this is something that God has instituted for every person in Rome. As you think about Rome, I want to talk to you just a little bit about that. And I wish I had more information, and there probably is more, but as we dive through this, it's just a backdrop. But Rome is a famous city, even in history. Uh, Not just for a time, but uh, it was the most significant city in the world at the time of writing. As you look at this city, this book was written somewhere between A.D. 57 to 59. You know, what do we know? 
But that's kind of where they, they place this. Um, the, the ruler, the ruler during this time at, at writing, um, came, became the ruler at A.D. 54. So probably just prior, probably three years prior to this writing, is the Caesar Nero. Nero. And, and he was 16. And he was 16. Uh, what must have that been like? 16. Biggest city in the world. Millions of people. He's in charge at 16. A lot of people, when they're 16, get their driver's license. He got the leader of the world, right? And so you think about that. And, and so, you know, Nero's famous. What is he famous for? Really for persecution, persecution of Christians in vile and disgusting ways. That's what Nero was. But, but that probably came later, to be honest with you. That probably came later. Uh, 16, uh, or at this time, 19, <laughs> He was just getting started, right? He was just getting started. He was learning how to hit the gas pedal on being uh, Caesar, emperor in charge, right? He was just learning how to lead and do what he wanted to do. Uh, Nero would come uh, to full form. And I want to tell you this too, as I looked at this, the brilliance of our God, uh, most likely, so they were experiencing being ostracized and persecution when they received the letter, but it was far worse after they received the letter. And so what, did, what was God doing? He was saying, I, I want to prepare you for days ahead. And I, I want to tell you, as we go through God's word, he is preparing us for whatever lies ahead. And uh, for them, it was Nero. For us, we don't know. To maybe get a bigger picture or a better picture of what life was in Rome for believers, you can look at the death of Christ in AD 33. So that was like, like 20 years or so prior, uh, Jesus died uh, under the Romans, under the Romans. And, and the reality, not in Rome, but under the Romans, and the reality is, is how Rome dealt with their kingdom is this. It spread out and it was vast and it was diverse. It had people from all different backgrounds and places and there was trade and people moved into the cities and there were roads that they built and they, it was all part of their design to kind of bring together under one, under one, uh, the, the, uh, Rome. But, but as you go through the death of Christ, and not just the death of Christ, but you know, who put Christ to death? It was the Romans, but it was really the Jews. And as you look at the, like the trials, the trials in the life of Christ before he went to the cross, you realize it was both. It was both. It was, it was Romans, but it was also Jews, Romans and Jews. And, and I want you to get this picture that Rome, uh, many times in many seasons, not in the days of Nero that went farther, they just let the Jews do whatever they wanted to do. As long as they kind of kept to themselves. 
And they didn't bother anybody. And so what happened in, with Christ is this, that the Jews couldn't handle, they couldn't handle their own problems. They were wanting to put Jesus to death and that it became this squabble that now there were complaints beyond them just taking care of their own things. And so what happens is this, that those complaints bring about you know, correction and the authorities. This happens today all the time, right? Uh, you or your neighbors can get along just fine doing whatever they want until another neighbor complains, right? And they complain to the authorities and the authorities come by and they say, what? The policeman comes by. We've received a complaint. We've received a complaint. And now you're in the crosshairs of the law. And that's what happened in Rome to a much greater degree uh, to the Jews. They had their structure. But now we're talking about to believers, to believers in Jesus Christ, both Jewish background and other. And, and I want to tell you, uh, we are a problem. We are a problem as God's people. Not like a problem like stealing and lying and stuff like that and shooting people and selling drugs. Like, hopefully that's not us. But what it is that we are is someone who believes at their core something different. And it is an affront. It is a a confrontation to an onlooking world that's perishing. It's a bother to them. Because what it's saying is, you think I'm wrong. You think I'm wrong. And we don't even have to say it, right? Uh, People say, you're judging me. And I said, no, I'm just living different, personally. And you're bothered in your conscience by that. And so there's this uh, difficulty in living together. And this, in this huge and diverse city, Uh, This Christian church was growing and taking root. And so this is the backdrop of what he is saying when it comes to how they should relate to the governing authorities, how they should relate to Rome. I believe my title was In Christ Under Rome. And and that's the difficulty, right? That's the difficulty that we uh, are in Christ. That's our identity but we still live in a place. Uh, and we would say today, um, uh, under the authority of the United States of America or in the great state of California or Kern County, the sheriff, like, however you want to uh, slice that. Which brings us, so you have to look in terms of what Paul was getting at when he talked about Rome and he was encouraging these people. And I I just highlight Nero, huge city, diverse city, thinking differently, that the world thought differently than them. And so uh, this is what Paul says. He says, let every person be subject, be subject. Um, this, this word subject, uh, it's used in a few different ways. I want to just point these out. We're going to go through that list, Victor, um, starting at James chapter 4, verse 7. And, and what I want to show you is this. Um, that, that word subject means to rank under, rank under. 
Um, That's a clumsy way, but that's kind of the the Greek, just raw way to say that, rank under. And what, what that means, how many military people we have here today? Military, thank you for your service. Policemen, you know about that too. Uh, working, uh, you know, at the prison, you know about this too. Ranks matter, right? Well, why do they matter? Well, you, you need to know who your boss is, right? You need to know who your boss is. And the, the idea here is this, that you have a place and it's under someone else. That's sometimes hard. I'll, I'll admit that to you. I, I've had bosses before. Uh, I didn't even like it when it was my dad. You know, that, that type of thing. And you, you realize your place. And if you have a great boss that loves and cares for you and takes care of you and uh, cares about y- your person, not just about your job, and he, he's smart and he treats you fairly, it's a great deal, right? It's a great deal. If you don't, sometimes that's hard, right? Uh, but this is the picture, to rank under, to rank under. Um, and he uses this term, not just Paul, but other writers in the New Testament use this term for a bunch of different things, okay, to be subject to. How, how do, what does this word mean? Well, it means to rank under, and these are some of the ways, some of the ways um, this is used in the Scripture. And by the way, this is, this is Bible study. This is how you interpret the Scripture, um, you, you don't go, well, how do I use this word? How, how do, you know, how, how do we use this word today? You say, how did they use that word in the scripture? How did God's people communicate? What did they use this word for? And it's, it matters, it matters that he used this word and not another word. We'll look at another word here in a minute, but he says, be subject to, be under, uh, find your place under. James chapter 4, uh, he uses this of God. James uses this of God. He says, chapter 4, verse 7, Submit yourselves, that's that word subject, Submit yourselves, therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee uh, from you. He says, in spiritual warfare, in spiritual warfare, what do you do? You find your place under God. You find your place under God. Uh, and, and why is that a good place for you, by the way? Well, um, you're not in charge. You're not in charge. All you have to do is obey the one ahead of you, right? He, all you got to do, you know, uh, it, the issues that come before you say, ah, it's above my rank. You know, I can't handle this one right here. So he, he uses this, James uses it in terms of be subject, therefore, to God in your relationship with him. Turning over to First Peter, and, and First Peter uses this, or Peter uses this a bunch of different times, um, and we're just going to show you kind of the difference. It's kind of in a theme in the book of First Peter. Um, he says this, First Peter chapter two, verse eighteen. He says, "Servants, be subject to your masters." Uh, with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. Okay? Servants, rank yourself under your masters. Um, This is an important piece right here. Not, Not only to the ones that are good, but also to the jerks. That's Greek. It's in the Greek, jerks. 
Um, I made that up. Uh, JK. Um, so, so I want you to get this. Servants, he calls on servants, and you know, a lot of the world, half the world was servants in the Bible times, and so there were a lot of servant-master relationships, and he says, rank yourself under even your masters, even the ones that are good, but also the ones that are jerks, the ones that are unjust, okay? And he says, find your place under them. Be subject to them. If you turn over to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1, powerful verse right here. He says, likewise, wives, be subject, that's that same word, to your own husbands, so that even if some, of, uh, some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. He says in the, the husband-wife relationship, there's that same thing. It's to rank under. It's to rank under. Um, I, I want to point something out here, and I, I don't need to say this, but in our um, equal type world that everyone's trying to be the same, not to be different, uh, for those of you who've been in the military, uh, w- when someone outranks you, does that mean they're smarter than you? Does it mean that they're stronger than you? Does it mean that they're more moral than you? Wiser, you know, the list goes on, right? And so women, don't, don't uh, get hung up on this. Oh, I'm under his thumb and this and that and the other thing. Um, I want to tell you, in relationship that God set up, he has set up uh, the man to be the head of the household. Uh, But there's greater accountability there. And he does not look at the worth of your husband. Uh, God does not look at the worth of your husband as any more or less than you. Uh, And it's just different placing and different responsibilities. That was 1 Peter 3, verse 1. But it's that same word. Be subject. Be subject to your own husband. Uh, And even says a powerful thing, ladies. Be one without a word. Maybe uh, we should remember that, ladies. I know that some of your husbands are thick-headed, and you think that if you just tell them another hundred times, it'll get through to him. And I want to tell you, uh, your godly behavior, your godly behavior, your sweetness uh, will be winsome uh, and even get through to his stubborn heart uh, more powerfully uh, than your words. That wasn't the message this morning, but it just came up. First Peter 3, verse 22. Uh, th- this has really not much to do with us. And he says, speaking of Christ, he says, who has gone into the heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels and authorities and powers having been subjected to him. Having been subjected, meaning that Christ is over the angels and they are under him. They are under him. Just another way to use this word. And then uh, lastly from 1 Peter, uh, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5, subject to the elders. This is what it says. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Not just those who are older to you, but the elders, the actual elders of a church. Clothe yourself... uh, all of you with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. In the church, in uh, his relationships and 
as we're supposed to be, there's supposed to be elders who are responsible for the church. And those who are younger are supposed to be under them, not because they're smarter or because they do everything right, but that's how God set it up. He gave order to it. Um, And really, I think it's interesting as he puts this together, uh, he says, humility, humility, humility. Uh, Why? Because that's the way God works things, right? Men, that's the secret sauce that we should put on everything. Humility, humility. And so you see this word subject, it's a military word under. One more verse about this from our book, Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Um, and, and I want to tell you that um, if you're, this, is a, this is the advanced class right here. I'm giving you the advanced piece. Um, when you're looking to, you're, when you're studying the Bible and you're looking for word definitions and usage, it's always more powerful and more accurate when you take the same writer, the same writer, Paul, writing in the same book. It might be a word that he uses over and over again, okay? He uses it a few times. This is the one I'm going to share. Uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 3. Uh, for, for being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. They did not submit. And in that passage, it's using it in a negative one, a rejecter of God, not taking that spot that rank, that place that God uh, has done. And I, I, want, I want you to get this, that there's structure. Why is there structure in the military? Can you imagine that? Hey, we're just all here together to fight for our country. <laughs> you know, throw out the guns and let's just go for it. You know, we're all equal here, you know. Hey, and uh, just whenever you feel like shooting that shooter gun, just go. You know, if your heart tells you to do it, go. Um, You know, structure is important, important. It's not everything, right? But there's a structure. And in this passage, what you're going to see, what you're going to see is the structure of government is given by God, is given by God, because he saw it as necessary and helpful. Okay? Structure of government is given by God because he saw it as necessary. Now, I want to talk about another word that's not in this passage. And I think it, it, it's important for us to, and I realize I'm belaboring some of this. You know, I'm stalling, if you will. Um, so he, he did not, he said be subject to, he's subject to. And that word subject to can be translated a lot of different ways. And in some Bibles, it even says obey, obey. Uh, I do not think that that's appropriate translation for that. Not that it's not implied, but that there's another word for obey. There's another word for obey. And Paul used one word, not another word. And he fully knew that other word. Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1, says this. And, and, and this word right here, this word right here, can be translated, be subject to as well. But it gives a different nuance. Children, obey your, your parents in the Lord, for this is right. That word obey right there, 
Uh, he could have used that, and, and I don't want to make too big of a point about this, but he could have used this uh, and said this in Romans chapter 13. He said, let every person obey the governing authorities. Like a child would obey their parents, that's the way you should obey the governing authorities. The word there that he talks about as in regards to children obeying your parents it means to hearken or to listen to. It's the idea of, and I don't like the word hearken or listen to because I've raised kids before, right? Um, I've heard you. I'm just not doing anything about it, right? But, it, but it's the idea of hearing and doing, right? It, it's the idea of jumping. Maybe that's too aggressive. But like that, that idea of saying, I, I heard what you said and I'm doing it. Because I'm the child and you're the parent. There's other situations, relationships. I could go over a list that I went over with subject, but this word is used in other places as well. But it has the idea of moving to action because of the command. I told you to do it, you do it. Moving towards the command. Um, and so this, this brings up, and I, I think you know where I'm going with this, is this. How do we deal, and we're going to work this out in the weeks to come, how do we deal with the, and be subject, be, take our rank, our placement under the government when the government's not doing what they're supposed to be doing? How, how do we do this when they're not honoring God? When they call us not to honor God, uh, how, how do we do this? Uh, you're going to have to stay tuned for the, in the weeks to come. Uh, and uh, obviously, I, I want to—I don't want to come down hard on this because I think uh, what we're looking at here is this, and, and, and this is what I really want to get to in the next three weeks. I want to give you the principles of the Scripture that you might work them out in your heart and life and family. That's what I want to give you. And there's going to be tough areas, gray areas or application areas that maybe even we disagree. But you're going to have to answer for that. I'm going to have to answer for what I'm doing. This is, this is what it is to walk with Jesus in light of the mercies of God. Uh, we have to figure this out, what he wants us to do. And I want to tell you, it's not cut and dry. I think that it um, would have been a lot more, uh, this would have been one sermon, boom, boom, we get out of here if we were in 2015. <laughs> it would have been a simple day. We would have just, ah, yeah, got it. Everyone obey the government. Great, great, great. Rah, rah. America. You know, uh, um, we would have been quickly moving through this, but uh, it's been a challenge for us. My brothers, uh, many of us, my brother pastors, uh, have had to struggle with this in terms of church and what that looks like and how to relate to the governing authorities because of the world we live in. Makes my hair stand up on my head thinking about this stuff, sorry. Um, I, I I wanna ask this question too. As we look at verse one, it says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. And... This has been a problem for us in the last few years is who are the governing authorities? Which one? Which one? 
right? Um, in the United States, in the country that we live in, who's in charge? I want you to think about this right now. Get your answer. I'm going to call on you right now. Who's in charge? Who, who is the one when they say, this is what I want, you go, okay, that, that, that's the governing authority. That's the one I'm under. I thought about this a lot. I never thought about it before. I didn't listen when I was in high school or college or when it came to these things because I didn't care about it, but it comes up now. Who's in charge? Is it the president of the United States? Uh-uh. It kind of is, but it kind of isn't, right? Uh the Senate, right? Yeah, kind of, but Congress holds the money. So if the Senate wants to do something, they better have some money and the Congress can just say, you don't have any money, right? Well, but, but what, you know, in our country, what, like who's really in charge? Who decides what can and can't be done? Oh, that's the Supreme Court, right? Those are the guys that are, gals, uh, that are really in charge. They're the ones that are deciding, no, not really. Um, you know why? Because we live in the uh, great state of California. The governor's in charge. The governor's in charge. Yikes. <laughs> There's realtors standing by. There's realtors standing by. Um, uh, is the governor. It's the governor. You know, it really doesn't matter what the president wants. It's the governor because he's, you know, kind of in charge of the state of California. And you say, well, I don't have to listen to him. I'm in Kern County. Kern County. Board of directors, right? Nope. Sheriff. He's in charge, right? Because he's the enforcement, right? And they can say all they want. And if he's not willing to enforce it, he's really in charge. And, and, you know, I hope some of you got there already and say, none of them are in charge. We the people. We the people. The Constitution guides and directs us. And I'm with you. I'd like that. I'd like living there. We don't necessarily live there anymore, do we? If no one's listening to the Constitution, it doesn't really matter if it's a great document or not. Okay? And so this is complicated. This is complicated. And I want to tell you, it's complicated in the Scriptures as well. It's complicated in the scriptures as well. Um, if you want to think this through with me, um, who are the governing authorities? And, and it is difficult to think this through. For them, it was the Caesars, and specifically, it was Nero and all his servants. And by the way, that was simple. That was simple. If they, if they asked the question, who's in charge, they would have said Nero, quickly. In unison, all at the same time, they would have stood up and said, Nero, we hate him, you know, Nero, right? Sorry, I did that, went back to my roots. Um, But uh, uh, Nero, Nero, in the times of the Bible, you you think about this, and uh, God's people, especially in the Old Testament, there was this military taking over cities and towns and God's uh, places as part of God's will. I think about the story of Daniel in the Old Testament. And if you know anything about the story of Daniel, Daniel is a story and it's, it's a message from God about God's people being in captivity. 
that the Babylonians, the wicked Babylonians, whenever somebody talks about something being wicked and the wicked end time stuff, just throw out the word Babylonian. And they're like, oh, you know, in Babylon. Oh, that's the bad place. That's where Daniel was. And I, I want to tell you, God's people have always struggled. They've always struggled to know what it is to live for God, walk with him, raise their families, be the assembly. They've always struggled. They've always had a challenge every generation, every time to do that in amongst the Babylonians, right? And for Daniel, if you really think through the book of Daniel and where he was, he was a captive. He was taken captive. I know, I know we can't picture this. I, I know we can't picture this, but I'm going to say it anyways. What if the Russians overtook the United States and we became a, a Russian territory? What if, what if we became a part of the Chinese CCP? We, we, were, we were connected with that. I know you can't picture that. But I, I want to tell you, what is spoken of in Romans chapter 13, it has to work in that scenario. It has to work. These words are are meant to work in any and every situation, even the ones you can't fathom. Uh, The Babylonians during the time of Daniel, uh, in the book of Habakkuk, uh, writer says this, it's from God, it says, I'm raising up the Chaldeans. (laughs) Raising up the Chaldeans. And... uh, if you can picture it, one writer said it this way when I studied it years ago. He says, that would be like saying to Israel, I'm raising up the, the Iranians to come teach you a lesson, to do a work. And can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? You, you can't. It's hard for us to fathom it. For, for those in South Korea to say, you know, God's saying, I'm, I'm going to take North Korea and I'm going I'm to use that. It's, it's, you can't even get there, right? And yet... Sometimes, sometimes as part of God's plan, his perfect plan is that he takes wicked nations and even uh, imprisons or puts them under uh, his own people. And so this passage has to work in those scenarios. It has to. And, And as we look at this particular passage, I, I want you to know that e- even if it was slightly so, or even, you know, significantly so, they were going from, well, they were being persecuted and ostracized presently, and then it happened worse in the years to come. And so God wrote to them, and he says, he said, uh, this is what I want you to do. I want you to be subject. I want you to find yourself under there. Victor, I don't know if I put this on there, but if you could pull up Ephesians 6, 12. Um, I, I want you to get this because um, as you read this passage, verse 1, uh, don't go there, but Ephesians, stay on that Ephesians passage, Victor, please. Um, he says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. And he says, for there is no authority except from God, and those who, uh, that exist have been instituted by God. Meaning this, that as someone comes to power, as someone comes to power, or a group of people come to power, 
God is somehow doing something. He's somehow doing something. In our country, uh, we've struggled to even know who's in charge, like who won elections and who is really in charge and is the president really the president. Like we, we have all kinds of crazy thoughts in our country right now. But, but know this, that as we see kingdoms find their place, that rulers are ruling, doing things, know this, that somehow that's part of God's plan and he put them there. And, and that's, a, you know, that's hard to get our head around, right? Uh, we, uh, we have this mentality of we just do the smartest thing for us, right? That, that's all we can do, right? When we're hiring uh, someone to fix our um, heating, heating, especially in the last week, we just go, I, I want the best person I can get who's available, right? Right now to fix my heater, I, I want the best person, and I want them to have the best price, and I want all the best, best, best. I want to tell you that God's plans are more magnificent than that, and he's doing more things than we can see. And some of it's to prepare things to come, and some of it's to prepare his people, and some of it's, I, we don't always know. So he brings rulers into placement as a part of his own will. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, and this is what it says. Um, and if you know this passage, it's Ephesians is talking about the power of God uh, and spiritual armor and the, the really the, the war that is going on. And he says this, verse, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, for, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, meaning real people like, just like us, but against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And you say, well, what does that have to do with anything? I I, want to say this. There are rulers behind the rulers. Rulers behind the rulers. And I want to say, I want to be real careful with this. So what you have going on, and, and this is the way you want to think about, this is the way you want to think about politics, okay? God is always in charge. He's always in charge. And he's always, he's always doing things. What is he doing? This. Okay, I'm going to do this over here. I'm going to do this over here and this. And it's all going to come together in this and this country over here and, you know. And, and even as you think about it, I, I want to say it this way, Biden, Putin, Chi, you know, you know, you go like this. This is what I'm doing. And you go, and you're sitting at home watching Fox News going, God, I don't know what you're doing. Okay. And, and, and that's okay that you don't, it's on a need to know basis or a, a able to know basis, right? You can't even comprehend your mind would explode. But God is doing things, okay? So he is overall, that's one piece. The second piece is this, that rulers, rulers, I, I would say it this way, um, the enemy, the enemy, Satan, and the demons that follow after him are many times prompting rulers to do what they do. Feeling comfortable yet? 
um, there's rulers behind rulers. And, and sometimes we do the math thing and we go, man, they're so stupid. Why don't they get it? It must be because they're old or there must be because of this, that, and the other thing. And I want to tell you, it doesn't have to be any of those things. It doesn't have to be money. It has to be this. Rulers behind rulers, right? If they're not following after Christ, if they don't, aren't controlled by the Spirit of God, they're pushed around. They're pushed around. They're controlled not by just handlers behind them, which that's probably true too. There's a bunch of layers, rulers to handlers to actual front men. You know, I, I don't, don't get complicated in that. Rulers behind rulers, okay? I, I want to tell you that's why when a ruler acts selfishly, it's not that big of a deal, like, right? It, it's, it's not that it's not that big of a deal. It shouldn't be surprising. When a ruler is... Uh, just doing what will somehow make him money and fit his party, you say, you know, that's injustice. And you say, well, that's what they do, right? They've been pushed around. When they do things that are wicked and will ruin people's lives and even uh, cause people to die, what, what did Jesus say, right? The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Oh, that's what it looks like. I want you to get this because I think it's helpful for you to think and not helpful in the sense that you say, oh, I just feel better about my politicians now. (laughs) They're just controlled by the enemy. (laughs) Great. Makes so much sense to me now. I want to tell you that there's stuff going on. God is in control. He's working out his plan, but the rulers are behind rulers, right? It's important to get this. And this this is where I just want to end up and I'll just do a half-hearted job on this, and we'll pick it up in the weeks to come. In what ways? In what ways? Verse 1, let, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, and you should say immediately, in what ways? Should, are, are you telling me that as a soldier would fulfill the commands of a commander in everything, in everything, is that how I should look at my government? I want to tell you that what we're going to see as we go on, there's specific things that God places government in roles for, and that's kind of their realm or their lane, if you will. And if you look at that word subject to in the other ones, it's true as well, right? Masters, servants and masters, right? Um, and so what we're going uh, to walk through is this. What is the lane of government that we should be subject to them? And how do we do that? And when it comes to not, how do we do that in a Christ-honoring way? I want to tell you, uh, this is just a side note. We'll get into this as well. The government is not the only authority that we struggle with here. I see it. In all of us, men come to me and they say, well, you know, I ask them about something and I say this. And the gist of the question is, why did you do that dumb thing? It's a general thing, you know, specifically, but general. Why did you do that dumb thing? And the answer is this. Well, my boss, well, my boss told me. And so you did the dumb thing because your boss told you to. And which is fine in business, right? 
But, but, but how does that work out when you're dishonoring God because your boss told you to? How, how does that work its way out when, for young people, it's their coach? I, this is, I, I had to do it. Why did you have to do it? My coach told me to, and I didn't want to make him mad. That's an authority issue right there, right? When do you listen to your coach? Forgive me, we have some teachers here, but kids do this with teachers too. I had to. Why? My teacher told me to. I had to. Others is a little bit different than that, but maybe we see authorities. We see, well, you know, this group of people who are the authority, you know, it's the uh, Association of Pediatrics or it's the... uh, you know, it's, it, it, it's this group of people that they know everything about everything. My doctor said, my doctor said, well, the question is, um, does your doctor have authority? I want, you, I want to get back to that other word that's not used in this passage. It says, children, obey your parents. Why should children obey their parents? I know we have some children here today. It's not you. You guys are super smart. Um, the reason you should obey your parents is because you don't know what you should be doing right now, but your parents do. It's real simple. You, you haven't lived long enough. You're gonna, you're gonna, you guys are gonna be light years ahead of your parents. Light years. You know, you're gonna know so much more than your parents, just not today. And so God places your parents there, so that when you don't know something, you can obey them and get the right answer, even though you didn't know. I want to tell you that this word is not used here. He says, don't turn off your brain. Just get in your spot, your rank. Don't turn off your brain. Get in your spot, get in your rank. I'm going to leave it there. God, thank you. Thank you for our time. Uh, God, I ask that you would, um, as you've guarded my mouth, if I've said anything wrong, that you would guard uh, the listeners and their mind to remember and to forget the things that they should and to remember what is in your word. God, I pray that you would not make us lazy about struggling through this. I ask that you would prepare us for days ahead. I ask that you would strengthen your church, that we would be your people, that we would honor you, uh, that we would not love politics, but we would love uh, you, the one who has a plan and the one who loved us so much that you sent your son to redeem us. God, thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen.